Welcome to the second season, a special summer edition of Cooking with an Italian Accent. We worked on four special episodes for the summer, with guests from all over Italy engaging conversation about some of our favorite themes, from food to tourism, from cookbooks to personal memories. Each episode will give you the chance to explore an Italian region and will give you tips on how to travel more sustainably to some of the most iconic Italian destinations. In this first episode, I switch role and ask our friend Valentina Dainelli, known online as Too Much Tuscany, to be the host of this conversation. I felt it would have been much more interesting for you than listening to a soliloquy. The occasion is my 40th birthday. Yes, today is my birthday, my favorite day of the year, along with Christmas. We had a little online celebration. I will talk about recipes and cakes, about Livia, about our job. There's also a little anticipation about the cookbook we're working on at the moment. Then we move to talk about Tuscany and sustainable tourism. I'm sharing my favorite destinations for a quick trip and a few tips to better enjoy Tuscany. So join the conversation and the celebrations. Before the new episode, I would love to thank you for the precious support, even during these months when we've been silent here with our podcast. I'm touched by your comments, humbled by your feedback, happy to know that this podcast brings some peace, inspiration and practical advice. If you want to stay updated as not to miss a single episode, subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you are listening to a podcast and share cooking with an Italian accent with your friends. If you like this show and listen to this podcast on an Apple device, please consider rating and reviewing the show. How to do it? It is very simple and straightforward. First, open the podcast app, click on our podcast, and scroll to the bottom of the podcast main page. There, you can rate and review the show. This will help us to be more visible so that new people can discover us and share the same passion for Italian food. Finally, remember that you will find all the links to the recipes we mentioned today in the episode show notes. And don't forget to visit juleskitchen.com for new stories and recipes from Tuscany. And now, let's start! Ciao! My name is Giulia Scarpaleggia. I am a Tuscan-born and bred country girl, a home cook, a food writer and a photographer. I teach Tuscan cooking classes in my house in the countryside and I've been sharing honest, reliable Italian recipes for 10 years now through my cookbooks and my blog, JulesKitchen.com. If you love everything about Italian food, big crowded tables and seasonal ingredients, join us and follow this podcast cooking with an Italian accent. My name is Giulia Scarpaleggia and you are listening to the second season of Cooking with an Italian Accent, episode one. Today uh, is a very special day for me because, um, well, not now that I'm recording this interview, but when this interview will go live, I'll be 40, not 30, I'll be 40 already. So today it's my birthday on the day we are releasing this interview. And I'm very happy because today I have a special guest that will interview me because it's just better to have a conversation than just speaking on my own. I will feel a little alone. And today I have here my dear friend, Valentina Dainelli. Welcome, Valentina. 
Ciao, Julia, and happy birthday to you. I'm so you. glad that you invited me <laughs> and I'm super honored to be your interviewer for this special podcast episode. So let's get straight to the point. Yes. And um, so you are 40 now, okay? Yeah. And how are you? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm very well. Uh, I mean, I'm not as excited uh, as when I turned 30. I was excited and scared all at the same time. I had a big party with friends. Uh, now I'm a little more, maybe more aware of who I am and what is going to happen in the next years. So I will definitely celebrate because uh, my birthday is my one of the two favorite days in the year, along with Christmas Day. So it's always an exciting day for me. Even, I mean, celebrating 39 or 40 doesn't change. But on the other side, uh, it's also, you know, uh, a big number, you know, you, you change decade for, uh, for the first time. And uh, I'm aware of what happened in the last years, what is going to happen next, but um, I'm always excited for big changes. So I'm ready uh, to embrace this uh, new number, <laughs> the 40. <laughs> I totally agree with you because I turned 40 last yeah. year and um, so I felt very special and uh, I felt very aware of mm. what I was, you know, what I was as a woman mm -hmm. and uh, what I was going to be in the yeah. next years. So it's going to be fun, I yeah. can tell you. <laughs> so Hope you told so. me that uh, it's uh, your birthday date is uh, your favorite, one of yeah. your favorite days during the year. So how are you going to celebrate and especially what are you going to eat on your birthday? <laughs> So um, probably we won't have big, big parties. We are still pretty conscious about where we go um, and we still meet friends in a socially distant situation. Uh, so I had the idea of having like, um, like a traveling uh, celebration. So I want to meet friends probably for dinner or for an aperitivo but in you know, multiple situations. So not everyone together. It's a way to have a longer celebration. So we will probably start with the family, uh, like tonight uh, with um, my sister, my, my, my mom and dad, the mother, Tomas, of course, Livia, uh, my sister's boyfriend, and we'll have a little dinner at home. Then, uh, We'll try to have some dinners with friends, uh, and maybe an aperitivo or a pizza. So I will take one month, let's say one month of celebrations. <laughs> this sounds really, really great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I yeah. love one month celebration <laughs> for your 40 years. So, and what are you going to eat? What's your favorite recipe? What are you going to eat tonight? Um, so I'm still searching for the perfect recipe to have uh, my birthday cake. This is a tradition uh, that was born a few years ago with my blog. So every year I try to find a perfect cake to tell who I am in that moment and to celebrate my birthday. So in the blog, you have you know, an olive oil cake, you have a cheesecake with berries, you have a rhubarb custard cake, uh, what else? Um, fruit cake. So every year I try to find the perfect cake to describe who I am in that moment. And this year, 40 years old, I want to find a very special cake. I'm still searching for the right one, 
but I'm sure it has to be a fruit cake because fruit is the ingredient that I really reevaluated in the last year, uh, probably because during my pregnancy, I was so, um, I was really craving fruit, fresh fruit, and Livia loves fresh fruit. So probably it has to be a fruit cake with peaches probably, or berries. So I still have to find it, but it will be a cake with fresh fruit. Wow, this looks delicious. <laughs> you know what? When I, I want to celebrate my birthday, I generally eat a, a Florentine steak. <laughs> That's my birthday. <laughs> well, it's, <laughs> a, <laughs> it's a good gift. <laughs> Perfect gift. Yes. So um, now you are turning 40. So can you choose a recipe that will describe your first 40 years? Mm. Uh, I think that would be my signature dish, which is the roast pork loin, uh, the Arista, La Fiorentina, for several reasons. First of all, it was my mom's Sunday roast when I was growing up. So my, my mm, bedroom was just above the kitchen. And on Sunday morning, I would smell like eight o'clock in the morning, the smell of roast pork loin coming from downstairs from the kitchen. So that is a very uh, tangible memory uh, for you know when I was growing up. And I remember the roast pork loin uh, was also one of the dishes I would cook more often during my cooking classes, especially during the first years of cooking classes, when I had a kind of fixed menu, because this was what I was confident about in the first years. And it was also, you know, the, when I started dating Tommaso, he would come here for dinner after the cooking classes to eat leftovers. And every time it was roast pork loin. And my mom said, you have to change the menu if you want to keep Tommaso because he's eating always the same thing. <laughs> so she was right. She was yeah. right. <laughs> and that's why I start changing the menu in the cooking classes. <laughs> so definitely the pork loin describes uh, several, you know, uh, key moments in my first 40 years. Yeah. So that's very, very interesting. Uh, and uh, if you have to think about the next 40 years, mm. what would be the recipe do you think is going to describe your next 40 years? That's difficult, though. This is difficult. So thinking about the recipe that described the first 40 years, I was thinking about um, a book that I read uh, recently, which is The Third Plate by Dan Barber. So he was asked uh, to draw uh, the plate that Americans would eat in the future, like in 35 years. And he actually, uh, he drew three plates. The first one was um, um, corn fed stack with steamed baby carrots. These could be the pork loin of my first years. So basically no attention to the ingredients because my mom at the beginning, she would buy the pork loin at the supermarket and maybe we would have frozen spinach next to that. So, you know, a traditional dish, something loved by everyone, but uh, with no attention to the ingredients. Uh, then the second plate that Dan Barber describes uh, reflects the farm to table approach of his cuisine in that moment. And so it's a grass fed stack with heirloom carrots, grown in organic soil and everything. So probably this is my uh, roast pork loin now, because now I tend to buy 
the organic, free range, pork from my butcher, Grigio della Montagnola, and we buy vegetables that are seasonal from the market, often organic. So this is, you know, the second plate described by Bam Barber, but this is also my reality now. Then what is interesting is the third plate that he describes, which is what will be in the future in his menu, in his restaurant. And it's actually the focus is carrot, like a carrot stack with a sauce of braised beef, like a second cut. And I really, I, I was really impressed by this uh, description, by this approach, because this is how I'm trying to change my uh, way of cooking now. So the focus is not meat, is on the vegetables, but there, are, there is meat, of course, next to vegetables, I'm uh, omnivore. But this meat is probably a second cut and is like a condiment, a dressing for the vegetable. So the, 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 the leading role is uh, the role of the vegetables. Um, so his perspective is you don't have to cherry pick in, uh, ingredients, but you have to use what the season, what agriculture is offering you in that moment. I'm far from being perfect. I mean, uh, I still shop at the supermarket. I'm a normal person. Uh, I still buy vegetables at the supermarket. Uh, not every time uh, I have the chance to go to the butcher. Um, I try to buy fish from the local fishmongers, but sometimes it happens. I buy frozen fish from the supermarket. So I'm far from being perfect, but I'm aware that every single uh, choice counts because every time you buy something is a political act. So I just want to be more aware of what I buy and what I cook. That's uh, what probably will happen in the next 40 years. <laughs> I totally agree with you and uh, with uh, I share this awareness for our future and for yeah. what we'll eat in the next 40 years because we really need to have a lower impact on yeah. our uh, planet uh, starting from the table. So yeah. starting from what we eat. Exactly. And so starting from the table, I would like to introduce Livia because mm -hmm. uh, she was a great gift for yes. your last birthday <laughs> and uh, so how about Livia and uh, what's her favorite recipe so far she's 10 months old right yeah yeah she so she started eating almost what we like what we eat I just try to cook with less salt and not you know having uh, not frying food or things like that uh, last week <clears throat> we made gnocchi alla sorrentina, which are potato gnocchi, homemade, uh, with tomato sauce and mozzarella and parmigiano. So basically, it's a, a main course. There's everything there that you need, uh, vegetables, carbs, and proteins. And I tried to give her, you know, the gnocchi uh, cut in a half so that it was uh, the perfect size for her. I've never seen uh, a child eating so fast. <laughs> She was eating with two hands. She maybe because it was um, there was some salt there, so the flavor uh, of the tomato cooked in the oven with the cheese and uh, the gnocchi were very good actually because they were homemade, so they were not um, gummy. They were very pillowy. She loved that, so she had the gnocchi alla sorrentina twice, you know, in two days. <laughs> she really loved that. I saw her pictures and she was so <laughs> fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> so, and um, uh, 
for example, when my son Eduardo was uh, a little one, I really was aiming for him to try some of my favorite food. Do you have the same feeling? So do you want that Livia is going to taste something soon? Um, well, at the moment, she's basically tasting everything that we are eating in a, in, in, a, in, a, um, in a way that she can have. So maybe eggplants, not fried uh, as, as I like them, but grilled with fresh olive oil. Uh, or I don't know if I may chicken it's not fried again not that we eat fried chicken every day but i mean uh her chicken is poached with vegetables um so maybe it's more about you know, the apple cake for breakfast or the idea of uh making pancakes for breakfast to celebrate the saturday or sunday the weekend with her yeah something like this Yes, we also, we always, um, I mean, not always, not every Sunday, but every once uh, in a month, we go for uh, pancakes or mm. waffles yeah. and do a very, very rich breakfast. Yeah. And Eduardo enjoys it all. We've been <laughs> there once, I remember. <laughs> I remember. You know, that good. brunch is something very yeah. important for us on the weekends. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, now I think it's time to talk about business and mm -hmm. the you know the not so happy part of the business because I would like to say to ask you how the pandemic affected your business oh my it was a very good year uh from um for, for the cooking classes so basically it was January and we were last year and we were almost completely booked until the end of the season On one side, I was very um, worried because I was pregnant and I didn't know how this pregnancy would affect my energies. I was like, hmm, I'm going to cook until the last month. Luckily, <laughs> this was not the case because um, I was very tired. Maybe for the, for the, the summer was very hot last year. So um, I... Uh, probably I wouldn't be able to have the cooking classes until the last month as I was planning. But the pandemic basically uh, completely changed the way we work because we had to cancel all our cooking classes and it is a big part of our business. Uh, so we turned to online cooking classes. We, we, were, we had started just before the pandemic to record a few videos. So we had these online uh, videos on uh, Udemy or Udemy, how you want to pronounce it. Uh, and they're still there. So we are still selling online uh, cooking classes, a Tuscan cooking class, a Tuscan vegan cooking class, a fresh pasta cooking class, and uh, Italian dessert cooking class. So a pre-recorded video that you can uh, watch, stop when you want, ask us questions, uh, and we reply um, very soon. Uh, and this is how we turn our cooking classes. Then of course, we had also um, other kind of uh, collaborations with agencies and clients. And most of those collaborations stopped because it was not the moment to you know, develop recipes, create content for other clients. So the first, the first year was very difficult for us, but uh, you know, there's always a silver lining because uh, in, in the spring last year, it uh, was almost summer, we were contacted by an American publisher and they asked us to work on a cookbook. And that, 
that, that was one of my dreams. So if last year you would ask me, which is your dream goal for the next year, I would have said writing a cookbook with a big international publisher. And this is what we are doing now. So luckily uh, that happened. Uh, it was a very uh, positive note in a very difficult year for on various levels. Um, and that saved our business last year and this year as well. So you already told us, but what are you doing now? So we are working on a book and- Yeah, we are working on a book. We are, uh, now we are again creating content uh, for a few clients, which means developing recipes and taking pictures. Um, we will upload new videos as soon as we have some time to work on the cooking class online. We are working on our blog because we really believe that the content is in our blog and in our newsletter. So this is something we launched in March. We have a subscription-based newsletter. It is just in English for the moment. And uh, this is a um, weekly newsletter with exclusive recipes. Uh, you can just subscribe and every week you receive these exclusive recipes. We really love the newsletter idea. So we have also a free newsletter every Friday with archive recipes from the blog or with the new recipes that are up on the blog. So basically, if you subscribe, if you join us, this letter from Tuscany Project, on Monday, you get the exclusive recipes and on Friday, you get the free recipe. So you can decide how to join us. <laughs> and this is what we do now, basically. And of course, working on the cookbook. So um, I'm, I'm a subscriber, so I know uh, <laughs> how much work you put in uh, your newsletters. And I actually find a lot of inspiration every week, uh, especially Thank in, you. The, in the weekend project when you, you know, you tell us, you give us ideas on what to cook and what to prepare the next week. And uh, I have a question. Can mm -hmm. you tell us a bit more about your book? I'm so curious. And I would like to know a bit mm -hmm. more about it because mm -hmm. it's a, such a big, a big project. Yeah. So I really need to know something more. <laughs> so our publisher is um, Artisan Books. Uh, the book will be out next year. We still don't know when exactly. And what, I, what can I say? It is a book about Italian cuisine, about the big, classic recipes of Italian cuisine with a very specific approach. So these are recipes that you can cook every day. Uh, working on this book, I really fell in love with Italian cuisine again, if, you know, if there was some need to fall in love with Italian cuisine again, uh, because I, I rediscovered how modern, how sustainable, how smart, how interesting Italian cuisine is. Sometimes it's like, you know, you have to buy uh, very strange, difficult ingredients and you have to use a, an extremely long list of ingredients to have a good recipe. Well, cooking the recipes that will go uh, in our cookbook, I realized that Italian cuisine has it all. It has very good ingredients that are often affordable or easy to find. I mean, in Italy, of course, but it can be replaced um, quite easily. I mean, if you're not searching for fresh, the, the best fresh ricotta or stracchino, but anyway, it's the approach that is um, 
replicable in all different recipes. Uh, it has a very modern approach when it comes to use leftovers, when it comes to having seasonal recipes or recipes that are traditional, but at the same time, they are vegan or gluten-free. So there's no need to remove ingredients or change something. Everything is already there in the Italian cuisine. It's a cuisine for everyone. Um, I'm really in love with Italian cuisine. And I can wait to share the recipes that will be in this book. Oh, now I'm thrilled. I can't <laughs> wait uh, to read more and to have this book in my hands, actually. And uh, so about Italian cooking and uh, about Italian cuisine, when are you going to start again your cooking classes? Are you going back to cooking classes then? Yes, yes, yes. We, have, we will start again in September if everything goes well. I mean, there's always, you know, this doubt uh, now. So if the pandemic uh, is still how it is now or if things will be a little bit better, we will start again with our classes in September. Uh, we will have... Um, smaller classes. I mean, we were having six people in our classes. Now we are aiming to four, six, we'll see. We will start with one class a week and it will be either a Tuscan cooking class or fresh pasta cooking class or market cooking class, according to uh, the request. Uh, and we're going to make these experiences really outstanding because uh, we won't have the chance to have many people so for those that will book with us we want these experiences to be outstanding so from the selection of the ingredients at the market and at the butcher to the creation of a very traditional but as i was saying modern uh, menu uh, i'm planning to have my sourdough bread in every cooking class i mean not baked in the moment but to have a little basket of bread uh, with a few selection of sourdough loaves um, so we are planning to uh, not to restore the studio, but to make it more comfortable. We have already organized a space outside. If weather permitting, we can uh, eat outside just in front of the studio. So we are very excited and we really hope to be able to start again in September. Well, we all uh, hope that <laughs> September is going to be yes. the month when, you know, visitors are back in yeah. Tuscany yeah and if we want now it's time to talk about Tuscany mm -hmm. you know that I love Tuscany a lot actually too much Tuscany. <laughs> too much Tuscany <laughs> <laughs> so um have you ever lived there would you like to move from Tuscany um yes I've always lived here in Tuscany I was born and bred here uh when I was about you know 25, 30, I was planning to move abroad. It was just an idea. Uh, then I decided to stay and I found the perfect job because I'm not living abroad, but I'm welcoming the world basically in my studio. Uh, so it's a way of traveling and a way of, because one of the best aspects of traveling is meeting you know, different people that are different from you. And so this is what we are doing here in our studio. Then of course we love traveling, but it's not as always as possible. Um, so yes, I'm Tuscan through and through. Um, I actually discovered how I love Tuscany thanks to foreign friends. 
because at the beginning, you know, the blog was all about um, spring rolls, curries, cupcakes. But then my foreign friends, they start asking me for Tuscan recipes, for Tuscan traditions. And this is how I fell in love with Tuscany because I start looking at Tuscany with uh, fresh eyes. So I fell in love with Tuscan cuisine and I fell in love with Tuscany again, if there was the need to fall in love with Tuscany again. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, something very similar to what happened to me because yeah. I actually lived uh, for a couple of years abroad and uh, I decided to come back to Italy and uh, I totally fell in love with Tuscany and Italy once yeah. again. Yeah. And so this is why also Tuscany is uh, at the center of my, you know, the center of my job. And this is <laughs> why we met, basically. Yes, okay. <laughs> yes, that's true. And we met actually something like 10 years ago. Yeah. So next year, probably it's 10 years. No, no, no. It was uh, 2013. So, okay, so it's, yeah, yeah. It's about I, remember, I remember exactly the day when I saw Eduardo, your, <laughs> your son, <laughs> Pichy with whiteboard, and he was how old? One year. Yeah. yeah, it was one year and a half. <laughs> one and, year and a half. Pichy yeah. with the wildboard are still one of his yeah. favorite recipes, actually. <laughs> yeah. So it's really 100% Italian, I would yeah. say. Because, uh, <laughs> My husband is uh, from Naples and I'm from Tuscany. So he's uh, the right, Eduardo is the right mix in food because mm -hmm. he likes a lot, for example, anchovies, fried anchovies mm -hmm. uh, from Naples, but he loves the peachy with yeah, wild boy from Tuscany. <laughs> <laughs> of course. <laughs> and so uh, talking about Tuscany, mm -hmm. what show we see when we come in Tuscany, in your opinion, and uh, what should we eat when we come in Tuscany? You know that I have my ideas, but I would mm -hmm. like to <laughs> So um, what should we see? It really depends on how much time you have and if you prefer art or nature or seaside, because that's the beauty of Tuscany or mountains, you can really um, have all the experiences. So I suggest, I really like small towns uh, and small towns on the coast, in the hills, in the mountains, it doesn't change. I mean, I really love small towns and the idea that when you are there after two days, you can ask the solito, the same coffee, for example, that would recognize you. So I really like the idea of staying in a small town. And from there, you can also visit Florence or Siena. But, you know, if you stay in a smaller town, uh, you should you really see the, the real life in Tuscany um, and how how we live. I mean, we are normal people. We go to work. Uh, we stop for a coffee <laughs> in the morning and sometimes we eat a panino a sandwich and then we go back to the work, to the office, or sometimes we get home. So you really have the chance to see which is the real Tuscan life. What should we eat there? Whatever is in season. So don't expect fried zucchini flowers in January. Don't search for that. So eat what is in season. Eat uh, Tuscan kale, cavolo nero in January with beans and eat fried zucchini flowers and tomatoes uh, and roast peppers in summer. So that's the first thing. And then um, just trust, uh, trust the restaurant. So try what is seasonal, what is local, and you really will be surprised. Yes, I also share your thoughts about it. And actually, I can't wait to be in this tiny village uh, in two weeks uh, from now <laughs> to enjoy, you know, the, 
the daily life yeah. of very tiny Tuscan village on the seaside coast yes. because I'm going to the seaside yeah. in this very very tiny village mm. and um, I love the atmosphere there because in a day since you are a foreigner they always start talking to you they want yes. to learn more about you and so this is fun this yeah. is really fun yeah and um so talking about tourism that is something that i really care about i would like to know which would be the most respectful and sustainable way to experience tuscany in your opinion so i was already saying you know about the choosing a small village rather than uh, a big town a big city uh, if you have the chance travel during the low season I know it's not for everyone because not everyone can choose when to have their holidays. But if you can choose, uh, the low season is perfect to experience Tuscany. October, November, uh, really uh, incredible, exciting months for Tuscany because you have the new wine, the new olive oil, uh, all the hearty Tuscan food like truffles, uh, mushrooms, chestnuts. Chestnuts. So, really, October, November are exciting months and um, spring as well when everything starts again. But if you can travel in January, you will be surprised to. to if, I remember three years ago, it was the 4th of January, 5th of January, and we went to the Uffizi. So, it was pre-pandemic, so everyone was traveling, but the 4th of January at the Uffizi, we were alone in the beginning. So that was a very incredible exclusive experience, uh, you know, something you look for because you can really stand in front of the Venere di Botticelli and you are the only one there. And we were not paying to have, you know, a special tour. We were just there on our own because it was the 4th of January. So if you had the chance to travel, low season that is definitely uh, a good idea um, otherwise you know choose small towns or agriturismi and go to i don't know amiata or mugello there are less crowded than chianti during the day and if you want to visit i don't know san gimignano that is super touristic go there after 6 p.m and you can really have a better experience of the town. And the same can be said for other touristic towns. Uh, and, and one thing that uh, um, I really you know, suggest is to trust uh, the hotel or the agriturismo you are um, staying in and ask for advice because they probably can advise you on where to go to have different experiences. So a little bit of research and probably low season are a big help. I totally agree also with, uh, with your thoughts <laughs> about this too, because uh, you know I love to travel in low season because mm -hmm. of what just uh, you said, and uh, you can experience the authentic life yes. that, uh, that people generally do because yeah. uh, there is less crowds and uh, that's much, much better. Yeah. So let's dream together. Mm -hmm. And um, if you have a few days, you know, uh, to spend right now, mm -hmm. where would you go for a great trip or for a long weekend? Well, a long weekend. We are really curious about mm -hmm. uh, your hidden gems and, uh, you know, if you have some unique experiences to recommend. Uh, now it's very hot. So, um 
dreaming about <laughs> the mountains. Uh, one of the areas I really like in Tuscany is Garfagnana uh, and Lunigiana. There are two uh, neighboring areas. They are very different. So they, they are very proud to be different from each other. <laughs> but I really would go, I would love to go there. Uh, again, small villages, authentic life, hiking, uh, walks, e-bikes, you know, if you're not a sportive person, I'm not a sportive person, they have e-bikes and you can really climb those mountains and go to hidden agriturismi or dairy farms to eat there. And it's incredible. It's very close to the sea as well. Um, so I really would go to Garfagnana or Lunigiana. And if you want to have instead a seaside experience, I love Marimma. So, a few years ago, we were at Il Baciarino, which is in Vetulonia. So it's a hill town. It's actually an Etruscan town with a very interesting uh, historical uh, Etruscan um, experience you can have there. But you can see uh, the coast from there, just like 15 minutes from the coast. So you can stay there uh, and then have day trips to the, to the seaside and eat there is incredible. So yeah, these would be my ideas, uh, my dream destinations at the moment. Well, uh, I, can, <laughs> I know why you are telling us uh, about these hidden gems, of course. And I would like to add also, uh, my two favorites, so my two mm -hmm. cents on your list, and I would say the Mugello area. Yeah, of course. Now, you know, I live there, but there are lovely uh, little towns that are up on the mountains. I mean, on the hills, because mm -hmm. those are not the real mountains. High so. hills. <laughs> yes. Very Low mountains. <laughs> <laughs> but you can have, you know, cold uh, air at the night, mm. so and during the day you can go for a hike uh, in the woods, and maybe take a bath into cold rivers mm -hmm. <laughs> so it's really really fun and another place I would suggest uh, is um, definitely the um, Valdarno mm -hmm. okay that I'm discovering right now because you have uh, also um, tiny villages uh, a lot of uh, good art and uh, a lot of good food too so mm -hmm. it's uh, the very Tuscan excellence too. Yeah, yeah. So I think we are done, Julia. Yes. I, I want to um, say again, buon compleanno. Grazie. <laughs> so celebrate for us too tonight. Yeah. And I'm going to eat a slice of cake for you as well. <laughs> yes, please. Thank you. And have a lovely day. Thank you. Thank you so much. And I just want to remember everyone that I'll share the links to the books or places we mentioned and to your profiles as well in this episode show notes. So they can find you and follow you for Tuscan advice. Thank you so much, Julia. Thank you, Valentina. Thank you. Ciao, ciao. Ciao. This is the end of today's episode of our podcast, Cooking with an Italian Accent. If you love this episode, share it with your friends and on social media using the hashtag cooking with an Italian accent and tagging Jules Kitchen. If you have questions about Italian and Tuscan cooking, just email me at jules at juleskitchen.com or join our Facebook group, Cooking with Jules Kitchen. Don't forget to visit juleskitchen.com for new stories and recipes from Tuscany. Ciao!